Welcome to episode 2, I think 22, of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm coming at you from Galway, Ireland. It's about 4.30 in the afternoon here, which means I don't have any idea what time it is where you are. But unless you've been living under a rock, there's been a lot of pinball news in the last 48 hours. Everything from the order banks for Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle going live on Monday to Stern dropping probably one of their most successful pinball reveals of all time with Iron Maiden. And we have to talk about that and then I'm going to do a little bit about uh, some user mail. And I want to talk about the context of these two games coming out back-to-back like this and what I think it means for the pinball hobby and for you guys out there who are infatuated with every new pinball game that comes out. Now, let's talk first about Iron Maiden because this this thing was like the, the worst-kept secret in pinball history. Uh, it was Titanium Man a couple weeks ago at TPF. And now we finally got to see... Iron Maiden, Zombie Yeti, Keith Elwin's masterpiece, uh, I'm calling it a masterpiece, revealed to the world on Tuesday. It was a little bit funny the way the reveal happened. So uh, a lot of people were, were, ex- were expecting it to be on Rolling Stone, but here's what happened. I don't know if you guys know this. Uh, Stern had it set up as a Rolling Stone exclusive, and then Rolling Stone like stopped getting back to them. And so it was like they didn't know whether or not they were going to go live. And they, they had to go live because that's what they were uh, supposed to do. Uh, and so they went to plan B, which was give the assets to IGN. IGN put up the stuff immediately. And then Rolling Stone immediately followed after. So that, that happens in the world of public relations where sometimes you get ghosted by the journalist who's supposed to be setting up the exclusive for you and you have to quickly call an audible. But it doesn't matter. No one really cares where they get this information from. All they care about is that they get the information. But Stern didn't just give us uh, what the game looks like in the pro model. They also surprised everybody with a special uh Jack Danger Twitch stream of him and Keith playing the game at 3, I think it was like 3.30 in the afternoon, like right in the middle of the work week, which was kind of incredible too, because usually we have to wait days to get uh, footage of what the gameplay is like. So uh, where do I start? Where do I start with this game? Um, So you guys know probably all there is to know about the game. So I'm not going to rehash all the different features and what's in the game and this and that. What I want to do is tackle it for more of like the macro things that I think you guys are feeling uh, with this launch. First and foremost, let's start out with the artwork because uh, Zombie Yeti, once again, you know, from Zidware fame to actually Ghostbusters acclaim to now creating uh, what I believe to be Stern's greatest art package on a pinball machine to date. And that's not to take anything away, but I think he dethroned Dirty Donnie's Aerosmith art package, which up until this day, I think had the most detail in any game. Uh, And again, nothing against Christopher Franchi. These guys are all amazing, and they all have different styles. Uh, but But I really, really liked... Um, what Zombietti did with this game. And I love the fact that it's a music pin that doesn't feature 
like the band members all over the game. I, I, in fact, they're not even on the play field anywhere. So it really is more about the universe of Iron Maiden versus the band Iron Maiden. And I think that allowed Yeti to have a lot more fun. Now, we'll know for sure because uh, he's supposed to be a guest on this show, hopefully sometime next week when I come back from Ireland. Uh, and you, you've, you've heard him on this show before. We always have a, a, a good conversation. I do know that making this game wasn't the easiest thing for him. And there was probably a lot of back and forth because Iron Maiden is such a protected license. And he probably can't go into too much detail on what some of those struggles were. But I think when we look at the final package, does this look like a game where they had to make any compromises in the artwork in this game? Right? I mean, we used to hear all the excuses about, oh, the alien artwork has to be this because of the licensor. All right. It looks like a compromised game, Alien. Does this look compromised? Absolutely not. Looks absolutely incredible. And the best is yet to come because we've only seen the pro version of the game. Now, we know that the LE version and the premiums have yet to be shown. And again, I think that's just because of uh, the licensor. I think they're just waiting to get final approval on all the images and assets and whatnot. Uh, believe me, I tried. I, I tried all my sources that I have within Stern to get any, any indication of what those might look like. Uh, but here's the thing. Here's the crazy part. I think we're back to the error where Stern doesn't even need to show you the LE to sell out of the limited edition. Now, there's only going to be 500. I know I use the word only uh, <laughs> loosely. I, I do think 4 to 500 is should always be the maximum number of LE machines. But here's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing, and we always hear this, like 250 are going to go overseas, or maybe even more are going to go overseas, which means much less for the U.S. market. I'm pretty much hearing that they're sold out. I, I, I think most distributors uh, are have their allocations spoken for. So if you want an LE Iron Maiden, I think you might be out of luck. I never quite believe the numbers of like how many are going overseas. I think Stern probably does use that as a little bit of a marketing tactic to be like, we're making 500 and 499 are going to Europe, so good luck. And then there's like this, this rush to try and get one in the US. Um, but what does that mean that we are back to Stern selling out of a machine before people even see it? The only other times we saw this happen uh, was with Batman, was with Ghostbusters. Remember those two games, they were all spoken for. It didn't happen with Star Wars because of uh, the amount of LEs they made. I mean, Star Wars LE was easy to get even after it was launched. But I don't think you're going to have quite the same luck with this game. Um, what does it mean, too, that we are buying something without even seeing it? I think it goes to show that the hobby is alive and well, that people who collect pinball machines are crazy mofos who don't really need much more than a game that looks great and a game that shoots great and a game that has a, a decent theme at least that they're into. So I think what's interesting to me about this game, and if I step back and look at it objectively, I think the art package is out of this world. I think Elwin's Archer game, which has been like retrofitted to become Iron Maiden, is also incredible. We've seen the game shoot before, We've seen the game shoot on the Twitch stream, and it shoots great. I'm not going to go into all the shots and all the jazz and all the bells and whistles. Uh, but Iron Maiden for me is the interesting part because as much as I love the art, as much as I love the, the pinball aspects of the game, 
I still can't tell you a single Iron Maiden song. I, I'm just not a fan. Now, I'm not going to be one of these idiots who says, well, that means it's not going to do well because uh, any Google search or Wikipedia search on Iron Maiden will, uh, will show you that this band has sold something like 100 million albums worldwide. All right, so this is not a a little sort of rinky-dink sort of you know new artist here. This th these guys are juggernauts. Uh, I, they're just not my juggernauts. They're not as mainstream as as, as Metallica or Guns N' Roses or AC/DC uh, or even Aerosmith in America, but they have a huge fan base. And again, remember, 100 million albums sold, 500 LEs. Do the math. Do the math, all right? Imagine if, if, if even just a fraction of those people were into arcade and pinball machines. Uh, there's not enough to satiate the fan base of, of a band like Iron Maiden, all right? So, look, I think <laughs> I was joking with a friend. I think, you know, this is, this is like how it goes for three days. Uh, day number one, when a new game is revealed, the hype train leaves the station and everyone goes bonkers, apeshit, and just praises it. They praise Stern. All the negative stuff they say about Stern gets forgotten immediately, and everyone's patting everyone on the back, right? You see it on social media. You know, everyone's like, hey, great job. Hey, thank you. Hey, great job. Hey, great job. The, day two. Um, I think everyone wakes up and realizes, uh, you know what? I don't even know an Iron Maiden song. <laughs> Day three, everyone's like, well, what's the next pin from Stern? Right? There's, <laughs> there's like this window of hype. Uh, but look, I mean, we all know this. And I think Stern did a great job of sort of unleashing a lot in one day for people to make up their mind on. I mean, in one day, they gave you, I think, enough to go on. Now, here's the problem, though. The Twitch stream was great. I mean, it was really, really good. They, they've, they did what I've been asking them to do for a while, which is take the glass off and, and walk people through the game and show them some of the features. Now, I was a little worried when I was watching the stream because I do think Keith showed a little bit too much. And what I mean by that is I want to buy a pinball machine for eight, dollars $9,000, and I want to be surprised and delighted with what happens as you go through the modes and when you enter a wizard mode for the first time and when you you complete things for the first time. I don't want to experience what happens in the game for the first time because the designer is hitting switches with their finger. All right. I, I just I, I think he showed a little bit too much. Now I know there's more to come. It's a little small gripe, but that was just something that I noticed on the stream. I was like, stop, stop, no more. Let us figure it out when we play the game. Um, but here's the thing, after they did the, the, the stream, it wasn't available online afterwards. So it, it wasn't archived anywhere. So the only other place you could probably go get more information uh, is probably Coast to Coast Pinball. Nate Shivers interviewed Keith Elwin, so you should check that out. It's about a half hour interview, lots of good stuff there. Um, but right now, there's like, there's hardly anything. I think someone uploaded an Instagram of ga gameplay footage. But we know the game shoots great. We know the game shoots great. The, 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 isn't the pro like packed with stuff? I mean, I think once again, Stern is proving that for the money, for the money, you cannot get more value than what you get with a Stern Pro. It, it's just that simple. And I think... You know, this game um, is going to send some shockwaves through the industry, and I'll explain what I mean by that. So I think the pro is going to hurt other manufacturers' abilities to sell their games for more when those games come with less. So that that's just a reality. The other thing that I, that I hope, 
I hope indicates that we've turned a corner here is the amount of stuff Stern is now putting in the limited edition game. I mean, you are basically getting the kinds of stuff Stern reserved for Batman Super LE. You are now getting that stuff for the price of a regular limited edition machine. You are getting stuff like the upgraded JBL speakers. You're getting the shaker. You're getting the anti-reflective glass. You are getting um, real translate back glass. Okay, you are getting the metallic uh, decals that are like the uh, Batman SLE decals on the side of the cabinet. Okay, so you're getting a lot for your money. And so, you know, I think that's a great thing. I think when people look at all you're getting in this machine next to Star Wars LE, it's almost embarrassingly um, bad to compare the two, how little Star Wars LE gave you. And I've been saying it from the very get-go. I thought, you know, Star Wars LE, clearly all the money went to the license and everything else was like a bomb cutting corner to get you something uh, because they spent so much on Star Wars. Now, I've been, this is just me speculating, but here's the thing, here's the thing. I think this game is jam-packed and I think, I don't know if we're going to see games come this jam-packed moving forward for the same amount of money. And here's why. Archer was already developed. Right? Stern usually spends a few hundred thousand dollars developing their pinball machines uh, to get them ready for market. But because the majority of the design and the development had happened already on this game with, with Archer, I just think it's... it's um, you know, it's it was probably a little bit more affordable for Stern to put more in the game. All right, that's me speculating. I, I'm probably going to get an email from a, some people over there saying I'm wrong, but I think that's what happened, and that's a that's a good thing. I mean, you as the the buyer um, will get a, a a product with more in it. Right. I also saw Keith uploaded a photo where the rails underneath the playfield are going back to the normal rails, not the 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 cheap peg rail system that we've been getting in the Stern machines recently. So does this mean that Stern is now going to jam-pack their LEs sort of the way Jersey Jack Pinball does? I hope so. I hope this is a new... I hope they've heard the, the cries of people that if I'm going to buy a limited edition, you you need to put everything in it. All right? I don't have to then go buy like the, you know, the anti-reflective glass, which is also in this LE. So you get a lot for the money. You get a lot for the money. But you guys are also a bunch of crazy bastards. You, you already, it's already sold out, and you've never seen it. You don't even know what the artwork could be like. It could be a hand-drawn artwork of Jared holding the British flag, for all we know. I don't know. No, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. And I think Yeti knows better than anyone. You make the LE special. Like, look how special he made Ghostbusters. I'm fully anticipating that to be the case for Iron Maiden. So it's a good day. It was a good day. I think it was a very positive day. I think th these days when we see something that ex exceeds our expectations, um, it reminds everyone deep down inside, you know, that, that, in, that part of your body where your soul lives, your pinball soul lives, it reminds you why you love this hobby for the excitement you get. You feel like a little kid on Christmas morning seeing a toy for the first time, all right? So that's good news. So speaking about how does this impact the rest of the market? So this has to have somewhat of an impact on Charlie's ability to sell Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. Now, from what I can tell, Charlie had a good day Monday. 
Sales were great. I, I think he got a lot of orders uh, of Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, and I saw people sharing their order number, and they for some reason they're like they're like years. Like I've got 1987, I've got 2010. So interesting that they're doing it that way. Um, they're making 500, and I don't know how many he has sold in total. I don't think he'll reveal that number. I don't think it's to any advantage of his to reveal his sales numbers. I don't think anybody really does. Um, I think he would tell us if they were sold out. Um, I don't think they sold all 500 on Monday. But I was, you know, it's interesting to me if you're a pinball buyer and you knew that Alice Cooper order banks were opening up on Monday and you also knew that Stern was going to reveal uh, Iron Maiden on Tuesday. Like we knew both of this stuff by Sunday night that you wouldn't just wait until Tuesday to make up your mind on where to spend your money. Now, if you're if you're like a lot of guys out there, money's no object in the world of pinball, you could go in on both, no problem. But the, you know, Spooky having the non-refundable uh, sort of ordering system in place, it, it makes it a little bit dicier because you, you have to, you either have to commit or find someone to buy your spot. So these two are gonna battle it out. I, I You know, they're apples to oranges in games. Uh, I did find it, um, you know, I saw Charlie uploaded a Facebook post congratulating Stern and Keith and everyone on uh, Iron Maiden, and I think that's indicative of of this hobby. I, I don't. I I work for some you know major companies. I work for some major companies who would never ever in a million years congratulate a competitor on a product, right? Coca Cola would never say, "Hey, congrats Pepsi on Pepsi Perfect." Uh, my Chevy clients would never be like, hey, Dodge, the Demon's a great car. Uh, no, you know, Verizon would never congratulate T-Mobile on a wonderful promotion. So it, I think it's indicative of how small this hobby is that no matter who's in it from a company standpoint, they all sort of are championing each other and applauding each other's work. Now, I'll say this, though. I'll say this. When I read that from Charlie, part of me was like, I don't know, man. Like, I kind of think like Stern uh, still sees every dollar uh, as competition that doesn't go to them. Uh, does it help Stern to have other companies in business in pinball? I fail to see how it really does. Uh, it, I mean, it it makes their product better. Of course, competition will make them raise the bar. But I doubt you'll ever see uh, Stern's, pe- Stern's people... Um, George Gomez, Gary Stern, I doubt you'll ever see them congratulating a competitor on on a new product. I I just don't ever think you'll see them do that. Uh, In fact, when I asked George what his favorite game was, it was Total Nuclear Annihilation before it was a a production game. I'd be curious to see if if anyone over there would ever say anything nice about uh, the competitors. Uh, But you know what? That's Spooky's M.O., and, and I, I think it's, it's a breath of fresh air. Uh, uh, but I also, as a businessman, I, I, I sometimes think they're a little bit, uh, how do I say this? Like, I don't think, I, I, I think these companies are competing. I, I really don't. I don't, I, I don't think they're, they're all in it to celebrate each other's work. Because I think they'd be foolish because we all know how hard it is to make money and survive in pinball. Okay, so let me zoom out a little bit now. And it's been a great week for pinball. It's been a great week for you pinball buyers and collectors out there. You now have uh, two very, very 
cool new options of where to spend your money. Okay. Now, what does this mean for the rest of the manufacturers out there? Does Iron Maiden's reveal, does that hurt anyone else out in the marketplace? Does Alice Cooper's reveal hurt anyone else out in the marketplace? And, you know, I do think, I do think these two new titles are, are not the best news um, for American Pinball. I think selling Houdini um, with these games coming out is going to be harder, not easier. I think that's just the way it's going to be. I think there's only a finite amount of money that people can spend. Uh, and when you put games next to each other, they each have their pros and cons. But, man, it's really, really hard to put a Iron Maiden Pro next to Houdini. And, you know, you still get a lot in the Pro now. Um, and Houdini is jam-packed, but it's more expensive. Now, I forgot to mention one thing about Iron Maiden, and sorry guys, I usually am better at staying <laughs> focused on, on a topic at a time. The one criticism I keep seeing with Iron Maiden, and I want to bring this up, the one criticism I keep seeing is the LCD integration of the game. All right? And the LCD integration, the criticism seems to be that it's kind of disjointed, that you've got all different sorts of visuals going on with different fonts, and it doesn't seem to be cohesive at all. And clearly, the art and the animations that are in that game were not done by Zombie Yeti or Stern programmers. In fact, I think the all those different animations come from an Iron Maiden app game that is out there. So they, they lifted those from that. And that is why we're seeing what we're seeing. Now, when I first saw it, I was like, wow, these are really cool. Like, Stern did a really amazing job with the animations. I had no idea these came from another source. Uh, but again, uh, I think Stern is still learning what to do with the LCD. I, I, I do think every game seems to be like an LCD guessing game for them. And they just can't seem to get it right. Like, how much is enough animation to be up there? How much uh, is, is too much? Uh, how do we present the score in a way that's not too confusing? How do we make it like cohesive so it also feels like an extension of the artwork that's on the playfield and on the cabinet? Now, I will still say this. I still think the best LCD integration to date on any of the new Stern LCD machines, without a doubt, is Batman. Go play a Batman and look at how they did it. Even the way they framed the video clips in the old school TV, even the way all the fonts are like the Batman fonts, the pow, the wham, the bam, uh, when the scoring goes up there, and when they write like the, the text, it's in that like comic book style, like Batman font. It, it all feels very cohesive. It all feels very Batman 66. Um, I think in the other games, like Star Wars is just a, com uh, the whole thing is just like a confusing mess up on the screen. I, I, I can't even talk about that game. I think the second best one is Aerosmith, where they, they did their own animations. And again, it just, the style looked just like the game you were playing. And it, and it was very cohesive. So I think Stern has a ways to go. I think they need to hire uh, more LCD programmers to figure out how to make the LCD feel like it's part of the game. I mean, people have said this, and I'll say it. Uh, Jersey Jack's integration between the LCD and the game itself is phenomenal. And they spent a lot of time making it that way. And there's a lot of cost and development time involved in making it that way. Um, so kudos to Jack for, I think, probably delivering the best LCD integration, um, even though I think it might be a little too big. I think there's too, it's too big up there to really see it all happening in front of you. All right, so I think it's not great news for American Pinball. 
I also think, you know, and again, this is just my speculation from a marketing standpoint. I think Pirates of the Caribbean shifting all the way to August uh, is really, really, really bad news for, for Jersey Jack. And the timing of late summer now being when Pirates is going to come out, I think you're going to see people, A, start to feel like Pirates is feeling like another one of these games we've just seen for a really, really long time, and you're not going to get that hype back. And in fact, every month where there's you know no games shipping, I, I think you lose hype. And, and by the time summer comes, how are they going to drum up that hype again? Because... We all know what's about to happen. And here's, here is what's going to happen. By the time Pirate ships, we are going to get Monster Bash Remake is going to be shown. We're also going to get another Stern Pinball Machine before uh, Pirates even ships. That's going to be Deadpool, which is another phenomenal probably looking game from Stern and a theme people love. We're also going to get... Um, we know we're going to get into the Expo holiday season for Stern, which is going to be two more titles probably with Beatles and probably Munsters. So we have a lot of games coming out, and Jack is still waiting to get this game on the line. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but, like, they just launched it too early. And, and this, this we're, remember when Jack said, before Dialed In came out, I'm not going to reveal another game until it's ready to ship. I've learned my lesson. And here we are. Now we're looking at a game that's been shown for almost a year before it will go on the production line. And I just don't think these delays will do anything but, but hurt their ability to drum up hype and sales. And if you agree, cool. If you disagree, cool. Time will tell. Time will tell, but I just feel like something's off. Something's off with Jack's schedule and Jack's planning, and I don't know why he had such a desire to show at Expo. And I think Stern's, uh, you know, Stern's realizing, especially with the sales of Iron Maiden happening so quickly, maybe they don't need the shows. Maybe they don't need the shows to drum up the hype. Now, I did do a little investigating because I was... Uh, you know, I was sort of criticizing Stern for bailing on TPF. I even criticized them for being like, well, how much more could the game be along 10 days later? Uh, and I know, and I found out that it, it really wasn't their decision. Uh, you know, when you're working with these major licenses and these licensors, uh, people forget, and I always forget this, and I need to remind myself, that Stern doesn't call all these shots. That Stern is at the mercy of the license holder, the IP holder, on when they can do stuff, how they can do stuff, and what the schedule is for stuff. And, you know, if those license holders don't approve stuff or don't want to show stuff or are not ready to show stuff or want to, you know, show it for the first time with a media exclusive, because remember this. Remember if you're, let's say you're the license holder for Iron Maiden and you're like, well, do we want to reveal at a Texas pinball show where, you know, on a weekend, or do we want to reveal on a you know a, a major media outlet like Rolling Stone and do it that way and get in front of like everybody, knowing you'll also get the pinball people as well? Because everyone who goes to these shows, for the most part, um, is also you know 
we'll, we'll, we'll be on pin side. We'll read it in the mass media. So who knows? I'll never, you will never know a hundred percent how these things happen. But what I did say back to my stern friends was this, then why don't you just tell us, just tell us that like, you don't have to burn your license or, but you could just say, look, we wanted to show Iron Maiden. We want, <laughs> you can't say Iron Maiden. We wanted to show our next game at TPF. Unfortunately, um, we don't have approvals yet to reveal to the world. The reveal will be coming shortly. And that's all you got to say. And people will understand. And, and they're not going to, you know, they're not going to be banging on the door of like Iron Maiden's like marketing team to, and be like, what the hell? You just ruined my TPF. You know, it's not going to happen. All right. All right. So who else is this not good news for? Well, pretty much any pinball machine that gets revealed is not good news for Thunderbirds because Thunderbirds' biggest problem is being Thunderbirds. And the more I see that game, the more I'm just like, man, how, I mean, seriously, it's the same, it's basically the same price as Iron Maiden Pro. So put Thunderbirds next to Iron Maiden Pro and then ask yourself, how many times would someone have to be dropped on their head to choose Thunderbirds over Iron Maiden? Everything about Iron Maiden is much, much better. I mean, you just have to be like the world's most obsessed Thunderbirds fan to pick Thunderbirds. And then also more info is coming to light of the the computer system that is driving Thunderbirds that it, it you have to send in your board to do a code update. It's not, you can't just plug in something. You can't download a new code from the internet and the system they're using is like really, really old. And, you know, I mean, again, look at the LCD screen on Iron Maiden versus orange dots. And so home pin's gonna have a difficult time. Lastly, the two companies that I just think, you know, we're have this has been a fun podcast, right? We we've been upbeat, we've been positive, we've we've been we've been celebrating all this fun new pinball. And I'm gonna be brutally honest. I love this hobby when the companies that actually have their shit together excite us like they did this week. That is what keeps all of us in this hobby. It's what we all love to see. I'll tell you right now, I, I just really, I, I just really have, can't imagine who still has patience to wait for Alien and the Big Lebowski to figure their shit out. I mean, it's a joke. Can we just say it? It's a joke. Look how many pins Spooky, Stern, and Jersey Jack have shipped since the Big Lebowski announced. Okay? We're talking probably, collectively, amongst all of them. Those companies collectively have probably shipped close to 20 pinball machines. Probably more when those guys in four years couldn't even get their pre-orders filled. And we're not even, we're not anywhere closer to having that come to fruition. And I just think 2018 will be the year. It, it, it's, it's the year where like the cream will rise to the top and these companies that are just burning on fumes and, and on their last lifeline, you know, sending out shady emails about how, oh, you can cut the line and get an LE now and this and that. I can't wait for when Dutch starts doing the same thing because there is no way for these companies to make up that lost revenue. There's just no way. The only way out is if they find a billionaire or a hundred millionaire angel investor the way Jack did. 
And even then, it's difficult. Look, it's difficult. Jack's got deep, deep pockets. And uh, clearly, clearly there's a financial reason why Pirates is, is not coming out when it was supposed to. All right. What else? Are there, am I missing any other companies? Chicago Gaming, Monster Bash Remake, does this hurt them? You know, I'm going to say yes, and here's why. Here's why. I just think there's so much exciting new pinball that you can go get a Monster Bash. You can go get a Monster Bash right now for $7,000, the, the prices have come down to earth. Uh, there's so much exciting new pinball experiences to be had that I don't think we need. I really, I just don't think we need this whole like remake approach to pinball. Uh, I think it would be welcomed if there weren't all these new companies making all these new exciting pinball experiences, but there are. And so why do we have to look to the past when companies like Stern and Spooky and Jack and everyone else, you know, they're looking to the future. They're looking to the future. And you know, look, those old games, they, they were great in their time. And some of them are still great, but they feel dated to me. And I do agree that Chicago Gaming does a good job in like modernizing the game enough with the new display and this and that and you still get the great game experience but again these are still games that you've been playing now for 20 to 25 years 20 to 25 years for some of you guys that's like half your life you've been playing these games you know you've never you're never going to get the sort of thrill you're going to get when you play a new game for the first time you're just not going to it's just not going to happen it's not going to happen. It's like my friend who, who went back and bought his 1990 like six Toyota Super Turbo. You know, he's like, oh yeah, I'm going to go get like the, the the badass sports car from the 90s. Compare like, even like a Honda Civic from 2018, a Type R will like will, will, will handle much better than that car. Like advancements happen um, in the experience of playing pinball. All right, and am I missing anyone else? I think that's I think that's pretty much it. Um, let me do this because then I want to hit the gym after I like get off a plane. I don't know about you guys, but I need to like get some blood flowing. Let me read some some user email here, and then we will call it a day on this Galwegian version of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Brenda is sitting on the bed. Brenda, any any Irish phrase I should use? Like, go on now, so you will. Is that it? Don't even try now. Okay, I'm gonna. I, I'm. I'm. I'm doing my worst Irish accent. All right, here we go. Some user mail from you guys. I'm going to start out with. Uh, let's see, Keith Murphy, I think. Let's see, or Daniel. All right, let's start with Daniel. He wrote. Uh, the subject was alien Ellie's in Australia. In case you haven't seen. Fuel to the alien LE fire. More machines not going to pre-order homes. Okay, so so basically he sent me a link to Aussie Arcade Forum that basically is showing that the new games shipping are not going to people who pre-ordered their games. So it's not news. It just validates that if you pre-ordered your game with Andrew Highway, you're kind of screwed. You really are at the back of the line. You'll, you're always going to be at the back of the line. And the lesson learned is always order your game from a distributor, not a manufacturer. All right. I got an email from Keith Humphrey. He said, hey, Chris, first time emailer, but long time listener. I was listening to your recent show on TPF and how manufacturers reveal and agree with what you were saying. I didn't go to TPF, but had similar thoughts 
over the weekend about how they could do it better. As we've all seen the talks where the projection screen appears flat and washed out, followed by the bum rush to the machine, cameras hanging over the glass, and difficulty hearing the machine. Same for online videos of the machine at the seminar or on the floor. Could it be possible for those going to the shows to offer some type of manufacturer VIP pass to those willing to pay a little extra for it, where they can set up the machine in a room, since it is there some two days before showing anyway, and allow some five or ten people at a time to go in um, with no cameras or cell phones and experience the game with lights and sounds how it is meant to be. This would be a great experience for those who are there to see the game away from the crowds and get all the feels of the game. Put a little extra money to the showrunners and create some buzz that the rest of the show could marinate on until full reveal. Anyway, love the show. Keep it respectable. All right. Well, look, um, Keith, thank you for the note. That's an interesting sort of strategy is to invite people in um, with no technology to get that intimate experience I was talking about. Now, look, you could charge a VIP sort of pass. You know, we it's we see it at every major like theme park, right? You can get the the VIP pass. You can get the, the you know cut the lines and 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 get on the ride sooner. Uh, there's always those people that complain that that's sort of favoring people with money. But you know what? Welcome to the real world, suckers. <laughs> if you've got cash, you get in front of the line. No, um. I think a lot of the manufacturers could figure out a way to do it without even asking for money. I think they, they know who their VIP customers are. I think a smart way to do it with these big shows is actually have the major distributors sort of invite their VIPs to an exclusive look at the next title from Spooky or Stern or Jersey Jack. I think that's how they should do it. I think people would be very respectful and, and put their cell phones away and I think it would be easy to police that room when people do that so no one does snap anything or or take something they shouldn't I think people would be very respectful because they understand what's at stake um, and I that's how I would do it and I also think the pinball media that is out there <laughs> I consider myself to be one of those should also get a similar experience so we can give you guys feedback without feeling like we're just another part of the mob and I think that's a good idea, Keith. So let's see if that happens moving forward at these shows. All right, I got an email from Jay Fowler. Jason is his name. says, hey, Chris, just letting you know, Spooky did this with TNA as well. I know as I ordered one, uh, the way that they present it is, is you are locked in with the ability to find someone else to fill your spot. I know people have actually sold their spot in line at a small profit. So he's referring to the non-refundable deposit. And he's right. So Spooky did that with TNA. And people who uh, went in on a TNA had to give a non-refundable deposit. I'm not surprised people have sold their spot in line for a profit because uh, people want that game now and they don't want to wait. And so they're willing to, you know, I'll give you $500 extra if I can cut the line a little bit. It's like nothing to these people. It's freaking peanuts, $500 to $1,000 to some of these dudes. I mean, that's how much dinner costs at like Perry's for just a few of us. And it means you get your pinball machine earlier. You know, no questions asked. All right, let's see. I got 16 minutes left, left on the battery here, which is good because I don't have that many more emails. I got an email from Michael uh, Shalis. He says, now I get it. Um, it's a story about how it, about, he went to play Houdini. 
And he said, almost everything that I've read about the game on Pinside has been positive, and those who have posted negative comments have received all kinds of encouragement um, that once you learn how to make this shot or backhand that shot, everything will be great. Today, I am left wondering, are the big cheerleaders for this game the ones who own it and are not worrying about how many quarters they are feeding the machine because they're on free play? They can't be average players. Uh, they can't be the average player who is playing at the local arcade where he is pouring quarters into the game at roughly the same rate that he is bricking shots in an almost futile attempt to hit the inner loop. Sure, it happens sometimes, and I did make the ball fly into the trunk on four occasions, but it seemed more luck than any mastery of the shot when it happened. Uh, the start a scene shot on the shadow seems easy in comparison. You are right, Kaneda. The shots are too tight, and for this player who encountered the game for the first time, it was not fun since I never felt like I was making any progress in the game. I'm sure that if I owned it, eventually I would start making these shots and perhaps be grateful to have a game that is so challenging. While it is good-looking machine, for now I am passing on this one both as a game in my home collection and as a game to seek out on location. Thanks for continuing to be the not always reasonable voice of reason in the pinball community. As always, my best to Bubba, Mike. Well, Mike, thank you. Um, look, I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Everyone has a different experience on every machine. And I found Houdini shots to be tight when I played it. I found it to be a pretty difficult game when I played it again. Um, it is... Uh, you know, look, but some people hop on games like Pirates of the Caribbean and I'm reading people are starting to complain because of long ball times. And so which one is it, right? Do you want 30-minute ball times or do you want a game to be over in three minutes? I think the good balance in pinball is a game that is not super, super long ball time, but even in just a few minutes, you feel like you are progressing through the game. And I think a lot of that can be um, helped with Houdini if they make it easier to get into the game more with some of the code. I, I, th I think some of the shots are challenging or too challenging to get going in the game. And so let's see what they do with it. Uh, but I think, you know, Mike, you're, you're learning what we all learn is that play a game. If you like it and you enjoy it, buy it. If you don't, it's okay. Like we don't have to buy and support every single pinball machine that comes out. We'd all go broke. Uh, I got an email from a D bulldoze. I don't think that's his name. Theme integration nailed. Canada just watched the stream for Maiden, and that world under glass has been nailed. Battling Eddie in all his song forms is really cool. Also, it appears that Power Slave Eddie is the predominant. Let's see the pre dominant villain in the back where the center shot is a la Lord of the Rings. The world of Iron Maiden nailed to a fine point. It's all the iconic artwork coming to life. Can't wait to play it. This is my dream theme for me, but swore never to be in debt again, so I will just have to seek one out. Keep on the awesome podcast, bro. I look forward to them. Thanks, Dan. Well, Dan Baldos, I, I agree, man. Th this pin is the freaking... Iron Maiden World, Underglass, like times 10. It is effing awesome. I also highly respect you on so many levels, man, because 
you're not going to go into debt to get this game. I know how hard it is to pass up on something that is like your dream theme. But here's the thing, man. Just, you know, save your money over time and every single pinball becomes available. Heck, even a Batman SLE just sold yesterday for $16,100. And that was a machine that the seller wouldn't ship and was local pickup only. And he ended the auction at 1 a.m. on a Wednesday. That was New York time. So, like, imagine if he would have shipped it anywhere. He probably left three to $4,000 on the table with, with that being the only shipping method. So, look, I think that um, you're right. This game, it just has people giddy because of how awesome, um, you know, the world of Iron Maiden is coming to life. Now, for me, I just don't know that world. I, I, I love the look of it. It's kind of like a Stargate. I don't know what's going on. There's like, there's Egyptian stuff. There, he's a mummy, right? There's a, the Iron Maiden's the sarcophagus. It's like all this cool shit. It is really, really, really cool world that they brought to life. And it's got the Union Jack flag. It's got it. I mean, it's got everything. It's got everything. And Brenda's looking at me. I just, I said that because the Irish women... When they when they see the British flag, it, it they they are mad. They are really mad. All right, I got an email from it's my last one from Dave Falgren, uh, Dave who's been on the show. He said before this email begins, I have a message for Stern Pinball. Thank you for not putting an action button on the lockdown bar. Nothing like a reveal to remind you how crazy pinball people are. First, the Saturday reveal wasn't a reveal. It was an announcement. People were mad. Second, Jack Janger does a live stream at 3.30 Central Time from Stern. Can't post it on YouTube. People are mad. I'd like to remind everyone that by July, there will be hundreds of Iron Maiden pins in the world, and nobody will give a shit anymore because they will be looking for the next new pin to be mad about. The game looked great, and I'm looking forward to playing it five times so I can give a valid opinion. Bravo to Stern for having a pretty fine-looking pro machine that seems playable. I watched about 45 minutes of the stream. Ball times seems long, but they usually do when there are four pro players. Not sure why anyone would order a premium or LE without seeing the art package, but apparently they're going, they're getting orders. Gotta love it. Great meeting you in Texas. Keep up the good work, Dave. Oh, Dave, thank you for the email. Uh, first of all, Amen, brother. That lockdown bar is the it's annoying on most games. It I hate it. I literally hate the lockdown bar button. I'm going to go on record for saying it is the it could be the single reason why I think someone would like not want to buy Pirates of the Caribbean. It, it you have to use it too much. I you literally need like a gold spotter to sip, like stand next to you and keep tapping it. it it's too much. The way Lyman uses it in Batman is perfect because it's barely used. It, it doesn't even need to be on that bar. Like Lyman could have just had it be, been a second button next to like one of the flippers and that would have been fine. It's not like you're constantly slapping it like Star Wars. I hate it. And the reason why this is not on there, because Keith designed this game before joining Stern. Who knows if that's a mandate from Stern, because maybe operators like it because it distracts the player, making them drain more, and then thus earning them more money. But I don't like heavy use of a lockdown bar button. I don't. I, I think it's the dumbest thing to make people do, and I don't think it, it makes pinball more fun. In fact, I think it's, it's pretty stupid. I think people look stupid slapping at it, too. So... That's my two cents on the lockdown bar. All right, guys, I have to go work out. I, I am a little bit 
Am I jet lagged? I don't even know if I am. I played a bunch of Nintendo Switch on the plane. Um, good week for pinball. Exciting times. You guys now have to say, where am I going to spend my money? How am I going to hide all these purchases for my wife? How am I going to tell their, my kids they can't go to college to get all these exciting new pinball machines? It's a lot. There's a lot of choices out there. I wish I had a million dollars and I wish I had a 10,000 square foot game room and I would just put everything in it and, and enjoy them all. Uh, but you know what? You know what made me laugh? What made me laugh was was I was reading Roto Dave, and I'll end with this, complaining about the prices of Jersey Jack pinball machines. Complaining about them. Like, he's like, I'm a pro guy. I'm, I'm in on the pros. Dude, you have 125 machines, and you're in only on the pros? You own 125 machines. Even if I were just to value um, each of those, let's say the average cost of Roto Dave's machines are $2,000. Where, where is he at? He's got almost $300,000 in pinball machines and you're only in on the pro. Can we stop the hypocrisy? Can someone call that guy out for being such a hypocrite about pinball prices? Dude, you are addicted. You fly all over the world. How much money, Dave, does it cost to fly all over the world to do nothing other than play pinball and eat fatty food in America? How much money does that cost? And you're and you you can't afford Jersey Jack machines? Come on, bro. Get at me. Get at me. All right, guys. Have a great day. We'll be back maybe on this trip again. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't think much more is going to happen. Uh, but who knows? Maybe I'll do one of my typical Irish things where I have a bunch of whiskeys and I start PayPaling you guys money. Let's do it. Let's do it on RGB. Rex Game Pinball. You should look out for that. No. Brenda's telling me. No. Brenda, it's like five bucks or ten bucks. No. No? no. no? Just no? All right. We're saving for a wedding. Brenda. <laughs> uh Okay. She said I'm an Egypt. That's what they say in Ireland. Not idiot. Egypt. If you like a lockdown bar, you're an Egypt. Good night, everyone. Bouncer.